Say Daniel. Daniel, your namesake. <laughs> Daniel will be your favorite character. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, the follow-up question is this. Um, if you were to list your top ten Bible characters, will Jonathan make the list? Pastor Richard. Top ten. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan will make the list. Top ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Top ten. Yes, yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, David, Jonathan, you know the connection, so you'll uh, okay. be there. Okay, cool. Yes. Will Jonathan make the list? Yes, Jonathan will do. Um, the love ah. that Jonathan showed to David is ah. amazing. Okay, it's let's amazing. let's close this teaching. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you know, I'm almost sure if we didn't have the title of today as Jonathan's. And I say, list your first 10 Bible characters. Jonathan will not be there. I'm almost sure. Almost sure. Um, but again, I believe you guys. Yes. There's a hand right there. Please keep the hands up until you get a mic. Yeah. David. 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 Yes. Your favorite Bible character. Yes. So, will Jonathan make your top 10 list? If you had to yes. list 10 people in the Bible that you love. No. <laughs> Because of what they did for God, would you list Jonathan's name? You even remember it. It will even come up. I thought so. Um, yes. There's a hand there. There's a hand. Young man has his hands up. And he has his hands up. Yes. Uh, Moses. Moses is your favorite. Why? Because um, uh, right from day one, as soon as God told him, anything God told him to do, he just did it, just no matter it. how ridiculous it was. Like but Jonathan won't be on my list, though. At all? At all. Okay. <laughs> yes, young man. Who is your favorite Bible character? Mine is... Um, Pardon me? Mine is Joshua. Joshua. Okay. Would you, would you if you had to list 10 people in the Bible as your favorite, would, would Jonathan be one of them? No. No, a fatic no. Okay, one more person who wants to tell us. Okay, maybe two more people. Give him the mic and give him the mic. And we'll go keep the hands up until you get the mic. Someone at the back. Yes, sir. Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle will be your favorite Bible character. Yeah. The New Testament guy. <laughs> you know. And would um, Jonathan make your list? No. Not at all. Yes. Okay, yes, sir. It would have been Daniel. Jonathan may not have made my list, but Jonathan always impressed me by his commitment to David. And right. I'd seen that play out 
even in real life characters, people who should have been Jonathan's to somebody, right. aspire to be more than what they were supposed ah. to be. You are taking the teaching away. <laughs> then it end up being nothing. <laughs> right. Okay. But there's a lot more coming your way. Study and discussion. Jonathan means the gift of Jehovah. Jonathan means the gift of Jehovah. The gift of Jehovah. If you are new to tribe, you, ha you have an outline and you're supposed to fill in the blanks and take notes. You notice that we try to keep spaces in between um, the paragraphs so that you can put down your own thoughts and whatever has been impressed upon your heart um, during this time. Okay, so the, the first um, mention of this Jonathan, there's another Jonathan that came first before him, but that's not the Jonathan we're talking about. There are about seven Jonathans in the Bible, but this particular one, the first mention of Jonathan in the Bible is in um, 1 Samuel 13 to, to 4. 1 Samuel 13 to, to 4 says, Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash and the ill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son, Jonathan, as the first time in the Bible I'm going to hear the word Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of Philistines at Geba. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the rams on throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this. Rise up in revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistines. Jonathan, actually. Um, but, you know, Saul was the dad. So any idea that the young guy has, the old guy takes it, right? In, in, in Geb, at Geba, and that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So, the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. So, we see here that the very first mention of the name of Jonathan in the Bible is that of a courageous and victorious army commander. Jonathan was a solid leader. Jonathan knew who he was, operated in his giftings, brought victory to Israel. Jonathan win wars for Israel. He was tall, he was well built, he was dashing, he was handsome, he was gifted, he was strong. And in 1 Samuel 14, 47, 1 Samuel 14, 47, says to us that to reach the Philistines' outpost, now this is Jonathan's display of rugged faith and courage. To reach the Philistines' outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rock cliffs that were called Bezes and Sene. The cliff on the north was in, the, was in front of Michmash, and the one in the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outposts of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. Everybody say, nothing can hinder the Lord. Amazing. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. The 
Amobiara replied, do what you think best. Yamobiara replied, I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Here we see, and the story goes on, and he, 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 he fell upon the Philistines, and God gave him victory over the Philistines. But we see a man that was full of faith, was full of courage. He wasn't only the king's son that was spoiled in the palace. He was the king's son that commanded authority. He was the king's son that obviously was a warrior and had a hammer bearer. And he, his hammer bearer trusted in his judgment completely. Many people would wait to see if a priest would come or they would send for the seer or for the prophet to inquire of the Lord. Not Jonathan. Jonathan says, let us fall upon them. If, he even did a, um, like, a, a, um, like a lot that, to simplify what he did, it's like he did heads of tails. He says, I will throw the coin, heads of tail. If, if it is head, God will give us victory. If it is tail, God will give us victory. <laughs> that was what he did. And Jonathan said, we let us go and perhaps God will give us victory. He didn't say, I'm going to wait until God opens the door. Jonathan says, I'm going to knock down this door. Perhaps God will empower me to break it down. Two different things. I mean, um, some people wait for the Holy Ghost to come upon them. You say, oh, I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost to move upon me. You know, I, I was reading a book some years ago about um, Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth says that I don't wait for the Holy Ghost to move me. I move the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he says, I move the Holy Ghost. He says, I stir up a storm. I am the storm. I'm not waiting for a storm to happen. I am the storm. I stir up the storm. This is God's will. I'm not going to sit down and say, oh, heaven, we help. We send help from above. God, send my helpers. You know, this helper prayer sometimes is an issue. Because it, it, it's, it's raising a generation of people that, that believe that they are, they, until something happens from the outside, they cannot fulfill the destiny that God has put on their inside. But not Jonathan. Jonathan said, can you put up that scripture again, please? Next. Let us go across the outposts of those pagans. Jonathan told his armor, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win by little, he can win by much. So Jonathan was not waiting until he has a whole army. They were, it was just him and his armor bearer. And Jonathan said, look, God doesn't win only by a great army. God can win by two people. And many times we are in a place and we are saying, oh, if only I had um, 10 million naira. But God can win with your 100,000 naira. Say Amen. <laughs> you're in a place and you're like, oh, if only I had a hundred thousand naira, but God can win with your ten thousand naira. Jonathan realized that if I move in the direction of God and heaven moves in my direction, it doesn't matter if I am one, two, a thousand, or a million. I'm going to get the victory. We should stop waiting for things to happen. We should make things happen. We should, we should make things happen. <laughs> stop waiting. Stop waiting. Make things happen. 
<laughs> there are things I'm, I'm checking. Should I say them? Should I not say them? We have little children amongst us, so I'm not. I'm very careful about those things. So, but, but we'll move on. Make things happen. Don't just wait. So we see in Jonathan, someone that is up and doing. Someone that has a vision. Someone that makes things happen. Someone that is so fired up for God's kingdom and God's house that is willing to risk his life. His life means nothing to him. That is Jonathan. Jonathan was a man of great faith and courage. So, Jonathan was a man of great faith and courage. Now, this man that was born in a privileged situation and did not relax and say, okay, because my daddy is king, I have everything I need, applied himself to leadership and the respect of the armies of Israel this man, we now see in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 3. 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 3. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And listen to what happened next. There was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved his, his soul. Another translation says himself. Praise the name of the Lord. So here comes David. And Jonathan sees in David someone that takes initiative. Someone that will not wait, but will confront Goliath. In fact, this is just immediately after 1 Samuel 17, when David confronted Goliath. He saw a like-minded person. His soul was knit with the soul of David. He saw someone that... Finally, you say, we are on the same wavelength. Someone that, if, if we say, let us go fight the Philistines, understood and would get up and would fight. Someone that they would say, let us take territories for Jesus, will understand and will get up and will move. Someone that doesn't care about his life, that will put his life on the line for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He found in David, not the cheap soulmates that we hear about these days. <laughs> but if you want to use that phrase, soulmates. Jonathan shows us through his friendship with David that genuine male friendship is possible. It's possible. Many people have struggled to get their heads around their friendship, the friendship of Jonathan and, and, and David. Some scholars have argued that they must have been gay to have connected like this. That their friendship was a sexual one. But guess what? The Bible doesn't say so. If you knew God at all, you will know that that cannot even be the case. Because God did not even spare David when he slept with somebody's wife. God did not spare him. God recorded it in history. Talk less of what if he's having an homosexual affair. It will even be, it will, the way God will deal with it, we saw how we dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah in their time. And that was still Old Testament. So there was still fire and brimstone coming from heaven. <laughs> so it doesn't make theological sense. Because these theologians were men. But guess what? The theologians that were women thought differently. The theologians that were women understood that two women can have a 
a genuine relationship and they can talk heart to heart and there's nothing in between them that is unrighteous. A lot of men don't understand that. Unfortunately. Praise the name of the Lord. So, as crucial as they are, the question is this. Why are genuine male friendships scarce in our times? As crucial as they are, why are genuine male friendships scarce? Why? Who wants to help us? Or oh, you don't think they are scarce? You don't think they are scarce? <laughs> okay. Now, they, obviously there are exceptions. I'm not talking about um, there is none at all. Obviously there are exceptions. However, I can also tell you as a pastor, and I've, I've had to interact with a lot of male, and I know what's going on in their lives. Uh, not many male have friends as a genuine <laughs> real friend. So why? Let me, let me just hear what you have to say for all is worth. Yeah. I must admit that um, it's, it's a subjective thing. Right. In my life's experience, I've been fortunate to have really genuine male friends. Okay. I've been in GFH for, since 2015, and within that space of time, I have also developed real, genuine male friends. Amen. Yeah. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. And that, that is, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And we... But statistics doesn't say that. For instance, in the UK, the rate of depression and suicide among young, young men is so high and much higher than women. And the reason they say, I mean, pure data, is that their connection is not as deep as their um, fellow ladies. Praise the name of the Lord. We don't have data, <laughs> so we are using UK's data. That may not be applicable in our culture, but we can, um, uh, from experience, infer from that. So, again, the next question is, which is what will bring out what you have said. Do you have genuine male friends, if you are male? Or have you seen genuine male friendship at work? Describe it. Okay. Yes, uh, <clears throat> I, I have genuine male friends, um, and I've seen genuine male friendship. So I have um, friends I can be very open to, very square with. Right. If um, they cross the line, I tell them. If I cross the line, they, they, weep, they weep me as well. Um, we do life together. So, um, basically, I can say I have male friends that have my secrets. Right. And I have their secrets, and we're not, it's not all over the place. Okay. So, so let, me, let me ask you this. So, the males that are struggling to have genuine male friendship, what, what can you say the issue might be? I think one of the issues is that they're not being real. Some, uh, um, a lot of people are, are plastic, and they tend to mask things. People um, tend to um, fear that if this person knows this thing about me, they probably won't accept me for who I am. But um, by God's grace, the friends I have and even have developed are people have gone through stuff with in life. Together. Yet in life. And the new ones I bring into the mode or allow me into the mode, uh, maybe pretty much the personality matters. If I see this person and I say, I like that person. I tend to be open to the person. I heard once that if you want to be a friend, go out and be a friend. But if you want to have friends, go out and be a friend. Right. If you want love, you go out and give love. Right. So um, true friendship generally gravitates towards people that are true friends. Absolutely. That, that, Absolutely. You know, I was going to say about, about Kyrie that, you know, um, Kyrie is a particularly, if you're close, if you know him, open person, you know? And such people, if they, if they are, God will help them connect with open people. 
but um, um, Kaido is an exception to Mahmoud, <laughs> as far as that is concerned. And, and really, sir, Kaido is my friend. Yes. <laughs> okay, fine. <clears throat> now, um, I saw another hand up. Yes, sir. I think one of the challenges with um, male is that we don't really communicate as the female folks do. And because of maybe our ego or something, we, we try to, you know, keep things to ourselves, feel that we are, you know, we are able, we can handle it. And, and this always leads to some of the problems we have. But on the other side, females, they talk, they have issues, they want to talk about it, and, and they let off the stress. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think we should clap for that response. I mean, it just, it just knocks it out of the park. You know, the male ego can be a major challenge because you don't want to be seen as weak. You know, the average male that has not gone to the cross that is, or is not open or broken, you know. Um, you don't want to, you want to be seen as you have everything together. You have your stuff together. You have everything under control, you know. Um, even in counseling, you know, the women are more open to counseling. The male says, we don't need counseling. I say, we don't need counseling. <laughs> the woman says, but there's fire on the mountain. I know how to put out the fire. They put it out. I will put it out tomorrow. Then two weeks down the line, the fire is actually increasing in in, in the venomosity, and she says, don't you think we, we don't need counseling. I know what to do. I know how to fix this. It's a male issue. May your ego not destroy you. That's all I would say. May it not destroy you. Somebody clapping for Jesus. They are clapping. Clap well. <laughs> you know, you feel you can fix it, but you, you have not fixed it. Year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, year seven, year eight, year nine. Some people, 25 years, they still haven't fixed it, and they are still convinced they can fix it. What does that tell you? Yes, anybody else? Please, yeah. the last response but right. I think nature and nurture too has a part to play here right because you bring up the male child not to communicate as well yeah that's his word express emotions right every time I read Jonathan and David's story it was so expressive I unbelievable it's, it's difficult to yeah. you know rec reconcile that to the regular man you see you know the way he was showing love um, so it, it maybe behoves the Christian parent to also help in the nurture part, you know. So when we bring them up, it's okay within reason to express emotions, right? You know, because otherwise you build, you bring up men that are the way they are. I mean, they feel it, but it's difficult to for them to express it. They don't even know how to express yeah. it. Yeah, you know, God will help our men in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Because we can't give what we don't have, so we need to um, to learn to be vulnerable. Some people. Uh, it comes easy to them. Some people, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. So that is a big part of it. It's a big, big part of it. And if you look at David and, and Jonathan, I deliberately went through the beginning of Jonathan. These are men of war. So if you are looking at macho, macho, they are the, men's, the man's men. So it shows you that it is not of, it's not God, really, to have your Ego rule you. It's not God. Don't think, oh, that's how I've been made. That's, I'm a man. That's how we are. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a dysfunction that has been enabled by our culture. You know, some people even take it further. They say, I'm an African man. <laughs> I'm a traditional man. A husband said to, to his wife one day, he says that, this pastor, I've been watching him. He wants us to be living like Americans. <laughs> He's teaching us American, American way. American way of doing husband and wife. You know, I'm an African man. There's nothing like African man or American man. 
there's the man that Jesus made, God made in the Garden of Eden, you know? And if you need to express emotion, express it. I'm not saying be a crybaby. I'm just saying express it. doesn't take from you. Okay, thank you um, for that feedback. Okay. Two scriptures. We are going deeper into the life of Jonathan at this time. First Samuel 20 from 28 to 32. Then First Samuel 23. 15 to 17. Some first number 20, 28 to 32. It says, Jonathan replied. Now, the, 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 the background to this is that David had, had perceived that this man, Saul, wants to kill me, kill him. So it's like, I need to dodge and run from this man. And Jonathan was like, ah, no, my dad does not want to kill you. Look, if he wants to kill you, I will know first. He doesn't keep those kind of things from me. And as soon as I know, I will let you know. David says, you know what? I trust you. I know you will let me know. But this man, I don't trust him. So Jonathan said, you know what? Let's, let's set something up. Go and hide. Don't attend the feast. And let's see how dad will respond. How will respond? Will let me know that he wants to kill you or not. Okay, so the story goes. 28. Jonathan replied to David, earnestly, ask me. Earnestly, David earnestly asked me, replied to, to Saul that day, sorry, that David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there. So please let me get away to see my brother. So David took proper permission. That's what Jonathan was telling Saul, his father. He says, that's why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a prostitute, a whore. He swore at him. Do you think, I don't know, that you want him to be king in your place? Shaming yourself and your mother. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you will never be king. Now go and get him. This is in your interest. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm king already. I'm doing it for you, my son. Go and get him so I can kill him. But Jonathan said, but why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? And you know what happened next? He threw a javelin at his own son. And he was going to kill him. That you're a son that brings reproach. 1 Samuel 23, from 15 to 17, says, One day near Oresh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. We all need people that will encourage us to stay strong in our faith in God and not give up. Don't be afraid, Jonathan assured David. My father will never find you. You are going to be king. <laughs> Listen to that. You are going to be king of Israel and I will be next to you. My father already knows that. Wow. Jonathan was the heir apparent. Jonathan was not timid. He was brave. He was not weak. He was strong. He was not daft. He was intelligent. But the question is this. Was Jonathan stupid? What do you think? Was Jonathan stupid? This is a throne that is rightfully yours. And you are saying, you are going to give it to a David. Was Jonathan stupid? Was Saul right? Floor is open.
What do you think? Yes. The hand the hand the other hand in front. Quiet quiet today. Yes. Okay, good evening, sir. Good evening. I honestly don't think um Jonathan is stupid. It takes a man that is led by the Spirit of God to do what he did. Because a natural man wouldn't do that. Right. He would want to fight for his own position. And it kind of reminds me of John the Baptist. He knew what he was called to do. He knew this is where God is and this is what God wants to do. The mm. same way with Jonathan. God has said David is king, right. so it's going to be David. So it's not Saul. I don't care if Saul is my father. It's what, what God wants is what I want. So wow. it, 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 it's a man that is led by the Spirit of God. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, just to add to what Cindy said, um, Jonathan was sensitive to what God had intended. He wasn't going to be manipulative like his father. His father had forgotten that it was God that enthroned him, right. and he was trying to manipulate things and put his son in his place in a position that is God that determines who should be there. So right. he was going to do what God would have loved. Although we can't say that's how he ended the story, but at that particular point in time, he was going to do the right thing. Right. Wow. Um, yes. Okay, they've said, they've said what you were going to say. But say something. Okay, I was going to say <laughs> that um, Jonathan most definitely had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because there's a section that talks about, you know, like how um, Moses took off his shoes on the mountain and God stepped into the shoes and assumed his role. Right. He took off his robe, his signet ring, his shoes, and he handed them over to David. To David yeah. And to me, those things are a symbol of his office. Right. So that's him saying, I've, I've, I understand what God has said, and I am aligning with God. And, you know. How do you get to a place where it is not my will, but God's will be done? How do you get to a place where you take your own ambition and your own rights and you place it on the altar. How do you get to a place? How do, you, do you think that without Jonathan, do you think David could ever have been king? Really, think about it. How do you get to a place where it is in your powers to call down 12 legions of angels to fight, and you go like a lamb to be slain. How do you get to that place? Get some money. Get some money. Abraham got to get some money, so to speak. God said, Give me your son, your only son. Isaac. He offered him. Saul didn't go to get some money. So he couldn't offer his son as it were. Jesus went to get some money. So he could lay down his rights. Jonathan got to get some money. You see, one thing you need to understand about destinies is this. It's huge, it's big. And it's the fact that there is no competition in destiny. So that word there is competition in your outline. There is no what? Competition in destiny. The, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians that the there's the glory of the stars. There's the glory of, of the sun. And there's the glory of the moon. That even the stars, they vary in glory. The key thing is every star is doing what it was created to do. Jonathan got to a place that he could say to another man, you be the first. Let me be number two. 
Wow. To a large extent, you know, we all actually need to get to that place. David himself got to that place. But this is not about David. This is not about David. David got to the place where he was willing to die for God's purposes to to be established. David was not chasing the throne. But this is about Jonathan. So David's gain is actually Jonathan's loss. And yet, lost, quote and unquote, and yet Jonathan's loyalty to David and to God never wavers. Did not waver. There's only one person that can be king. And Jonathan says to David, you be king. Now, it, it is, it is the, Jonathan that had the, the robe and the signet and the scepter. But Jonathan says, I am laying it down you be king. I be your number two guy. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I mean, every time I read this story, it challenges me to the core of my being. Not to be self-serving. Challenges me to the core of my being. Not to promote myself. Why? Because there's no competition in destiny. What is written is written. What is written is written. And in, in, in 1 Samuel 20, 30-35, that drama of, of, of the, the cipher messaging that that went on between Jonathan and David. First Samuel 20, from 30 to 35. First Samuel 20, 30 to something wrong there? Okay, no, no, nothing is wrong. So, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore who he swore at him. Do you think, I don't know, that you want him to be king in your place? Shaming yourself and your mother. By the way, why do, why do fathers always abuse mothers? <laughs> When the son doesn't perform up to expectation, traditionally, you know. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you will never be king. Now go and get him. I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father, What has he done? Then Saul hauled a spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So, at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior towards David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a boy with him to gather his arrows and send some messages to David where he was hiding. You know, he has said that if I say that they're on this side, that means it's fine. You can come out. If I say that they're on the other side, that means, oh boy, speak to your leg and run, you know. And he fired the arrows and said, they're on the other side, they're on the other side, they're on the other side. And David waited for Jonathan. David actually waited for Jonathan. And, and Jonathan eventually came 
and, and kissed him and departed. So here is the, what I've called the destiny dilemma. The destiny dilemma. And that is this. Should Jonathan have gone with David? Or did he do the right thing by staying with his father Saul? Considering the fact that Jonathan died in battle like a chicken with his father. The judgment of his father, you know, sometimes judgment affects everybody around. Affected him. Neither Jonathan or David had a friend so true. So true. So, should he have gone with David or should he have stayed with his father? What should he have done? Destiny dilemma. Yes, sir. Um, I think it was good that he stayed with, his, uh, with Saul, just for security reasons. <laughs> <laughs> if he had stayed with David, then he would put the guy in bigger trouble. You know, it's just like, I don't know, a, a, a fugitive right. coming to stay in someone's house. That right. person, everyone would be on their neck. So I think it was a wise thing that he did um, to stay. And again, staying with his dad helped him to leak out information to David whatever changes along the way, oh, they are coming to your direction, you have to move, you know, so. Right. Was a good Initially, <laughs> actually. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so that's what you think. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? There's a hand, there's a hand at the back. Anyone that get the mic first should go. Jonathan should have not stayed with Saul. He was apparent by the cursing of Saul that he would not be king, even if Saul has killed David. Right. So it was clear. The fathers disgraced him in the public. Um, he, he was not eating the king's table anymore for some right. time. So he right. couldn't have been king. And moving out with David would have given him more protection. The enemies of Israel wouldn't have killed him. That's my view. Right. Um, I don't think that, though, that he stayed because he thought he would have been king. Because even when he stayed, he still went to encourage David. I don't worry. Be, trust God. You will still be king. I will still be your number two. But that is I get your point that he should have gone with David. And that is um, interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. Um, Give him I, the mic. Yeah. I think he should have left and just um, just go with David. And they, plan their, they should have planned their life together and get away from, um, from Saul. But having said that, the tradition of those days, we, we, we didn't allow him because he didn't want to have a full disgrace of his father in the public. Because if he had left... That would have left Saul in a, in, a, I mean, in a more difficult situation. So he wanted to protect the loyalty of him to his father and mm. also the dignity of his father because of the culture at that time. Right, right. So you said this is what you think he should have done, but this is why he did what he did. <clears throat> Good. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Um, I think he should have gone with David because okay. um, so the, when he made statements like, I know you will be king and I will be number two. I'm not sure it was just because he knew that Saul wanted to kill king. I believe he must have also maybe got some revelation like this is what this destiny is going to be like. And uh, he should have pursued it. I mean, uh, pursued his destiny. Because um, there's, there's someone in the secular world that I uh, follow. It's called Steve Baumer from Microsoft. Uh, I just checked on the Forbes list now, and he's presently rated as number 21 world's richest, Steve right. Baumer. And this is someone that was an employee of Bill Gates right. in Microsoft. I just did a quick check on his resume now. He was the 38th employee in Microsoft as far back as 1980. Right. Now, along the line, he probably had realized, I'm stuck with Bill Gates. This is my destiny. This is right. where I need to stay to get fulfilled. If he had decided to go and start up maybe his own company along the line, only God knows what could have happened. But today right. he's still in a very, I mean, very <laughs> juicy <good> spot. <laughs> 21 <laughs> in the world. Praise okay. God. Hallelujah. Um, right. There's, there's a hand there. Destiny dilemma. 
So these were two men, two young men, devoted to each other with so much in common. Who hoped to find, to fight battles for God together, raise families together, grow old together, are ripped apart by an old, jealous, and sinful man. Yes. Let me have your contribution. So this is to the last question. Yes. Right? No, this is not a question. I'm just... Okay. Okay. So I think this is where I respect Jonathan even more. Because, again, he's sacrificing. I think he stayed... Be well, I'm on team. He should have gone with David, of course. Okay. Yeah. Because his father tried to kill him. I mean... Apart from, even if you didn't hear from the Holy Spirit, the man tried to kill you, Ron. But um, I think above that, he put duty there because remember right. at the beginning, when the, the company, the army was um, divided, he was right. leading the other part, yeah. which meant he was very strategic in the army. Yeah. And his first thing would be, if I leave, who then takes that? He's exposing his father even military-wise. Right. So he stayed even though he knew he was staying with a man that would, could kill him. Kill him. And that was duty, elevating duty above self. And I think wow. that is deep. <laughs> and whenever you see somebody bearing Jonathan, you should respect the person. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> you know, because... It's, it's not only... Does anybody have anything to say about that anyway? Okay, um, there's a hand there. There's another hand there. And I, ah, three. Okay, quickly, let's say that. Let's take it quickly. Just go straight to the point. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I just think um, Jonathan should have left with, with um, David. Right. I know it, it must have been very emotional because when it has to do with your parents, when it has to do with blood, you know, it's tough. But when it has to do with God, you know, there are things that you just have to draw the line and take a strong stand. Absolutely. So, beyond now being loyal to your earthly father, am I going to be disloyal to my heavenly father and my heavenly duties and, and assignments? So, so um, yeah. Cool. Um, two. Then three. If you have the mic, speak. Yeah. I, I think Pastor Nina has nailed Nailed it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yes, sir. I, I think listening to all the contribution, I, I, I feel right now that Jonathan had the data that was so clear. Not only should he have left, he should have taken 2,000 men with him <laughs> to support David. Absolutely. 100%. That's what he should have I, I agree. The data was, was too That's, much. No, 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 no. That's what I would have done. <laughs> but, but you see, we, I mean, when you let sentiments affect your decisions, you derail your destiny. And that's how it is. That's how it is. Jonathan died like a, like a chicken because of Saul's foolishness. You love him, he's your father. But you should love God more than your father. Didn't Jesus say that if, if you don't forsake your family, your brothers, you can't be my disciple? Now, not only on what Jonathan lost, what about what David lost? I wonder if, if, um, if, 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 if David would have, would have fallen for, for Bathsheba, would have made the mistake of Bathsheba if Jonathan was with him. If he wanted to stay back, Jonathan would have said to him, oh boy, we have to go to war. He had no one to lean on. Would, what about the mistake he made with his, with his children? I don't even need to go into them one by one because of time. If Jonathan was still there with David, the question is this. Would David have carried out that census that cost Israel tens of thousands of men? If Jonathan was still with David, would David have made the huge errors he made. Because all he had was Joab. Joab was just after his own agenda. Vengeance was too brutal. 
if you offend Joab, he must take his pound of flesh back. You know, he, jo- David, it cost David a lot not having Jonathan beside him. And that is big. So, Jonathan died at the battle of Mount Gilboa along with his father and brothers. That is Mount Gilboa. But interestingly is this. After Jonathan had died, in 2 Samuel 9, 1-7, it says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? You know, it wasn't only that Jonathan was committed to David. David was committed to Jonathan. Even after his death. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive of Saul's family? You see, he was going to even throw the net out wide to Saul's family because of Jonathan. He didn't even know Jonathan had a son left. If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Because we were trying to carry him and escape when he was a child. Where is he? The king asked. In low Deba, Ziba told him. At the home of Micah, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him to, from Micah's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your father, Saul, and to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table because that was where I used to eat with your father, Jonathan. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that everything that your fathers have lost will be restored to you in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Destiny connections stay true even when you are not present. Even when you are not present. So, if you look at Jonathan, Jonathan, as his name is, Jonathan is the gift of Jehovah to David. Inevitably, David became a gift of Jehovah to Jonathan and to his descendants. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the name of the Lord. So, when you allow God to make you a gift to others, guess what? God's gift will be upon you and your descendants. I know you are not clapping because you are writing, but it's okay. <laughs> you can clap after you've dropped your pen. <laughs> When you allow God to make you a gift to others. People are looking for, where's my Jonathan? You be the Jonathan. I can tell you stories of, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, I had a, um, a pastor friend um, that came to see me two Sundays ago after service. You know, very solid guy, you know, and we're talking about my RCCG days, you know, and he was asking me that, did you have a vision, you know, did you, and I said to him that I had no plans of starting any church. (laughs) None. I didn't have a plan B. I've had people call me to the side and say to me, you know, you have to have a plan B. And I said to them, I don't have a plan B and I don't intend to have a plan B and I never had a plan B. Praise the name of the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> Do 
Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you stories and stories and stories. Well, when I was my pastor, I mean, I was in prayer department. I, did, I thought I would be in prayer for life. I was happy just interceding for this guy and taking the bullets for him, so to speak. You be the Jonathan. Guess what? I think I alluded to it. There are a lot of people earlier on. There are a lot of people that God has called you actually to be a Jonathan. You see the Davids and you're like, why can't I be David? Then you go and try and be David and you extinguish your destiny. There are a lot of people like that. That would have been now, if you are um, number two, let's, let's, let's use finances. Pastor K referred to that earlier on. If you are the number two guy to the richest man in the, in the world, <laughs> it's not likely that uh, you understand what I'm saying. You know, so don't preoccupy yourself with being number one. I never thought I would be a pastor. I honestly, I never thought I would start a church. Not once. I was too preoccupied with what I had in my hands. If God has told you you'll be a pastor, that's, I'm, not, I'm not talking you down. Praise God for you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I will come to pass in Jesus' name. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, let your heart be, even as a pastor, I'm, 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 I'm out to serve people. I'm out to, to, to be the Jonathans, to help people fulfill their destiny. I, was, I, was, I went to pray over somebody's house some time ago. Built a very beautiful house, you know, some time ago. And after praying, he was escorting me to the car. And he said to me that, ah, my pastor, you look so happy. You know, the joy from within. You know, I mean, ah, you are so happy for me. And I laughed and I said to him that, don't you understand? When you fulfill your destiny, I have fulfilled my destiny. My destiny is releasing people into their destinies. That's my destiny. So when, I when, when people are entering into their destiny, they're taking territories, physical territories, spiritual territories, economic territories. I am so joyful, it's unbelievable. It doesn't matter to me if I'm paying rent. Really. Really does it. What matters to me is this one more person has entered into their destiny. Praise God. Praise God. One more changed life. Praise God. Praise God. So there should have been they would, rather, have been no David, rather. They would have been no David without Jonathan. The gift of Jehovah. They would have been no David without Jonathan. The gift of Jehovah. Do we have any questions? Do we have any questions? Since there are no questions, all the questions have been asked during the teaching. <laughs> Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. And if you have a question, please send me an email and I'll be happy to, to take it, I mean, at some point down the line. Um, Let's burn our hearts as, as we burn our heads. The commitments, I'm going to read it. I, I want us to say together, as we burn our hearts, I burn our heads. Let's Read together. Let's say together. Today, I commit to being the gift of Jehovah to another. Again, today I commit to being the gift of Jehovah to another person. I will be the gift of Jehovah to another person. Let's go ahead and let's, let's just talk to God. Let's just pray. Let's talk to God. I will be the gift of Jehovah to another. 
I will be the gift of Jehovah to another. I will be the gift of Jehovah to another. I want to pray with you. If you are here, you are like, Pastor, I need you to pray with me. I need to release my heart to God. My heart is so selfish and so introspective. It's just all about me. I need, I need my, a heart like this. A, a, a great heart. A heart that attracts God's help. That's me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand. Now, cover your head. This is not an altar call. This is, this, you are safe. You are like, but I'm safe and selfish. I am sanctified and selfish. Put up that hand. I want to pray with you. Cover your head. Give me a heart to be selfless. God bless you. Don't give them cards. No, 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 no. It's not a salvation call. God bless you. I want, God, I'm releasing my heart. If your hands are up, talk to God. I release my life to you. I release my heart to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this heart. I, I am saved and selfish. I, I release my heart to you, Lord. I release my heart. You, you use your mouth and say it. I release my, my heart. Oh, that to be even more beautiful than that of Jonathan. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we pray for everyone whose hands are lifted up to you. We ask that you change these hearts, Lord. Fill these lives. Fill these lives with your glory. And let your name, and let your name be glorified. Oh, honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Oh, honor and glory we give unto you. You can put out the hand. If you are here, you are like, well, Pastor, I have not even given my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to God. Or I used to be born again and vaccinated. I want to come back to God. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. Put up your hand over your head. Now, and I will pray together wherever you are seated. Quickly, if you are online, the instructions are scrolling. Instructions are scrolling. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up that hand over your head. I will pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your kindness over us. We thank you for your word. We ask for the grace to be doers of this word and not hearers alone, deceiving our own selves. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness, his mercy, and his word. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell